Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Luke's English Podcast. If this is the first time that you've ever listened, then welcome. And I hope that you subscribe. I hope that you join the mailing list. Go to teacherluke.co.uk. And on the right-hand side, just scroll down a little bit. You'll see something that says join the mailing list. Just enter your email address and then subscribe there. And you'll get... um, you'll just get notifications every time I upload a new post onto my website. Usually that means new audio episodes of the podcast, but it can also mean other stuff too. If you are a subscriber to the audio episodes, you know, like this, for example, then um, then you should also go to teacherluke.co.uk and join the mailing list there, because then you'll get um, notifications of everything that I post onto the website. Sometimes I write letters to my listeners, sometimes I upload videos there, and all sorts of other things um, above and beyond the audio episodes, so you can go and check out the extra content that's available there. For example, recently I was interviewed by Um, Gabby Wallace, who you might know from the All Ears English podcast, and she's also doing another project which is called Go Natural English. She interviewed me on video recently, and she's uploaded the video onto YouTube. Um, She asked me questions about um, being an online teacher and podcasting, and I kind of... um, talked to her about the beginnings of Luke's English podcast and the challenges that I face and um, and what it's like being an online English teacher. So if you if you want to you can go and see the video. I posted a I posted the video on my website and if you are a subscriber then you will have received a notification of that. But if you haven't subscribed to the mailing list then uh, you might not be aware that that video exists. Um, you can check it out on the website. Just find the the page that I think says my interview with Gabby Wallace from Go Natural English. I think that's what the post is called. Check it out. You can see my beautiful face actually speaking. I'm joking, really. I'm not that beautiful. But if you want to see the video, you can. Teacherloop.co.uk. Join the mailing list. Don't worry. If you're you're concerned that I'm going to spam you, I'm going to send you spam emails and junk mail, don't worry. I would never do that, okay? There's no chance that I'm going to start hassling you in your email inbox. I know that... um, most of you probably already have a completely full inbox, just like me. So that I'm, I certainly don't plan to start sending you any spam or junk mail or anything like that. Don't worry. You'll just get a very discreet email every time I post something onto the website, which is not that often. Maybe once a week, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. Okay, if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, welcome back. It's great to have you with us again. And I hope that you're settled into whatever situation you're in when you're listening to this. This episode of the podcast, what's it called? To be honest, I haven't really decided what I'm going to call this episode yet. I think it could be something along the lines of, can you learn a language in six months? 
I think that's what I'm going to call it. Can you learn a language in six months? And this is inspired by a video which um, one of my listeners brought to my attention recently. And uh, the video is is um, basically a TED talk. Um, it's actually a TEDx talk. Um, the video's on YouTube. You can also find this video on the webpage for this episode of Luke's English Podcast on teacherluke.co.uk. Um, and the, the video is called How to Learn Any Language in Six Months. And it's basically a presentation by a man called Chris Lonsdale. And I think it's fascinating um, for, for a number of reasons. First of all, it's fascinating because the things that Chris Lonsdale says in his presentation are... Now, if you believe what he says and you, you, you think that it's it, he's got sort of... Um, if you think that there is some real um, value in what he's saying, if you believe what he's saying, then it's, for me, very encouraging uh, for listeners of Luke's English Podcast because so much of what he says is represented in what you can get from Luke's English Podcast. So, to an extent, it's like a huge validation for me for listening to Luke's English Podcast, a massive validation because so many of the conclusions that he comes to um, you can get these things from listening to, to episodes of Luke's English Podcast on a regular basis. So we're going to go through the presentation in this episode. We're actually going to listen to it. And every now and then I'll pause the recording and I'll reflect on what he said and talk about it in, con- in, in terms of um, how it relates to simply your experience of listening to Luke's English Podcast. Okay. Um, when we've done that, when, when we've gone through the video, we're also going to go through some of the comments on um, YouTube. Now, going through YouTube comments can be a little bit of a dangerous thing to do because, as you know, when people leave comments on YouTube, for some reason they seem to lose their mind and you get all sorts of ridiculous nonsense in the comments section of, of, of YouTube videos. People are, you know, being very rude and abusive and you get these ridiculous arguments that people feel that they can't they can't stop because if you stop, then you lose the argument. Um, you get all kinds of nonsense written in the comments section. But the comments section under this particular video is quite revealing because there are a number of comments that sort of disagree with what Chris Lonsdale is saying. So we're going to go through some of those comments in a, in a bit as well, just to get a bit of perspective. Because I'm not saying that everything that Chris Lonsdale uh, presents here is completely true. I think a lot of it is based on evidence and it's based on the testimonies of of people who have learned languages to a high standard so it's based on sort of experience and things like that but it's not the only um it's not the only way so i I like to get a bit of perspective here on luke's english podcast so yes we'll look at the presentation consider some of the ideas and conclusions from chris lonsdale and then we'll have a little look at some critical points of view from the comments section on youtube okay Let me tell you a little bit about Chris Lonsdale, first of all. Um, Chris Lonsdale is is the managing director of Chris Lonsdale & Associates, a company established to catalyse breakthrough performance for individuals and senior teams. So he's a kind of... um, He's in human resources development or training, and he's all about catalyzing breakthrough performance for individuals and senior teams so he's a kind of high level performance 
trainer, you could say. In addition, he's also developed a unique and integrated approach to learning that gives people the means to acquire language or complex technical knowledge in short periods of time. So, yes, Chris Lonsdale, as well as being um, someone who works in training of individuals and teams, he also apparently has come up with a new approach to learning in, in very short periods of time. Now, what does this tell us about Chris Lonsdale already? Well, maybe he's promoting himself. Maybe because he's um, the director of his own company, a training company. So maybe there's a sense that this is just a sales pitch for Chris Lonsdale, perhaps. And sometimes you've got to be a bit um, wary of people who come up with magical solutions to difficult problems. Because often this just means that they're sort of it's just a big sales pitch for their own um, product that they're, that they're pushing. But also, on the other hand, it could mean that Chris Lonsdale really knows what he's talking about because he's a successful trainer of people and he's put the time and effort into developing his own learning method. Um, let's hear what Chris Lonsdale's got to say. Okay, so we're now going to listen to Chris talking about learning a language in six months. Do you think it's possible, ladies and gents, to learn a language to an effective level, to a, an, a near native level in just six months? I think a lot of the conventional wisdom would say no, it's not possible. In fact, when students come to like language schools that I've worked in, sometimes they'll say, how long will it take me to get to you know this level let's say IELTS level eight and usually I don't like answering that question because often it involves giving an answer that they won't want to hear and sometimes I think to myself well to be honest you might never make it to level eight depends on you as an individual if you've got the capabilities if you have the sort of I don't know some kind of genetic predisposition for for being able to learn languages then yes maybe you'll get it you'll get to IELTS level eight but it would require some extraordinary uh, hard work and focus as well as a natural disposition and a lot of you know lots of people can't make it to that level of uh, of proficiency in a second language maybe also it's just the conditions in which people learn maybe that's it that, you know, I look at lots of students who come to language schools and I think, well, realistically, how much hard work are you willing to put in? Um, and some students expect just to be able to attend the classes and just be in the classroom and expect that to be everything they need to do. Well, no, you, you don't just... You can't learn a language to a good level just by being a passenger in a classroom. No, you actually have to take a very active approach to learning. And you also have to um, take complete responsibility for, the, for learning the language yourself. I often will say to my students, look, I can't learn English for you. you. Ultimately, you have to do most of the hard work yourself. I'm here to try and create the right conditions in which you can then learn effectively. But I can't do all the work for you. It's very easy for um, teachers to slip into that um, that role of being the one who's doing all the hard work. I think often effective English language teaching is about creating good conditions for learning and then flipping it on the students and saying and, and making them do all the hard work, making them go through all the tricky uh, planning and all of the research and everything instead of just spoon feeding students, um, you know, carefully planned lessons. Instead, you you force them to do all of the um, rigorous grammar research 
and everything else. So maybe if an individual is motivated enough and if they are organised enough and they're willing to spend um, a lot of their time and energy on focusing on, on learning a second language and they have a sort of natural disposition to towards learning and they're surrounded by the right people and they're engaging with, with English um, regularly in a meaningful way, maybe it's possible to get to a very high level in six months. But I think, in my experience, it would take a ex- very extraordinary individual to be able to do that. And most ordinary people, most normal adults, I think, require a lot longer than that. But anyway, let's see what Chris Lonsdale has to say about this. We're now going to listen to the YouTube video, the TED Talk by Chris Lonsdale. I'm, I'm going to pause this every now and then if I feel like there's something I need to, to, to say. And it could be uh, another point of view, or it could be a reflection that um, Chris Lonsdale has made and how that affects um, listening to Luke's English podcast, how it relates to it. This, I think, will be a very, very useful episode of the podcast for you because it could give you some really good advice on how you can maximise your, your English language learning potential. And also, it could just reinforce the idea that actually listening to Luke's English podcast is a really good thing for you to do for your English. Okay, let's listen to Chris Lonsdale's talk for a bit. People at the back, can you hear me clearly? Okay, good. Have you ever held a question in mind for so long that it becomes part of how you think? Maybe even part of who you are as a person? Well, I've had a question in my mind for many, many years, and that is, how can you speed up learning? Now, this is an interesting question, because if you speed up learning, you can spend less time at school. And if you learn really fast, you probably wouldn't have to go to school at all. Now, when I was young, school was sort of okay, but uh, I found quite often that school got in the way of learning. So I had this question in mind, how do you learn faster? And this began when I was very, very young. When I was 11 years old, I wrote a letter to researchers in the Soviet Union asking about hypnopedia. This is sleep learning, where you get a tape recorder, you put it beside your bed, and it turns on in the middle of the night when you're sleeping, and you're supposed to be learning from this. Uh, Good idea, unfortunately it doesn't work. But, Hypnopedia did open the doors to research in other areas, and we've had incredible discoveries about learning that began with that first question. I went on from there to become passionate about psychology, and I have been involved in psychology in many different ways for the rest of my life up until this point. In 1981, I took myself to China and I decided that I was going to be native level in Chinese inside two years. Now, you need to understand that in 1981, everybody thought Chinese was really, really difficult and that a Westerner could study for 10 years or more and never really get very good at it. And I also went in with a different idea, which was taking all of the conclusions from psychological research up to that point and applying them to the learning process. Okay, so there's just like a little bit of um, evidence there that his talk is based on 
lots of psychological research and how that applies to learning language. So that's just, um, I suppose that just emphasizes the fact that this is based on some genuine psychological research. And it's not just a man speaking off the top of his head, that it comes from genuine evidence and it's backed up by some psychological evidence. Okay. What was really cool was that in six months I was fluent in, in Mandarin Chinese and it took a little bit longer to get up to native. But I looked around and I saw all of these people from different countries struggling terribly with Chinese. I saw Chinese people struggling terribly to learn English and other languages. And so my question got refined down to how can you help a normal adult learn a new language quickly, easily, and effectively. How can you help a normal adult learn a language quickly, easily, and effectively? So actually, he is talking about normal adults, not these sort of super talented language learners, these, these uh, incredible individuals with the, all the right capacities for learning language. He's just talking about normal adults. I think that most of the listeners to Luke's English podcast could be considered normal adults, don't you think? Are you a normal adult? I wonder. I mean, uh, I expect most of you are adults, but are you all normal? Well, you're, you're probably quite sort of um, extraordinary, really, if you're a listener to, um, to Luke's English podcast. But anyway, I think that essentially you're, you're a normal adult, I would imagine. Now, this is a really, really important question in today's world. We have massive challenges with environment. We have massive challenges with social dislocation, with wars, all sorts of things going on. And if we can't communicate, we're really going to have difficulty solving these problems. So we need to be able to speak each other's languages. This is really, really important. The question is, how do you do that? Well, it's actually really easy. You look around for people who can already do it. You look for situations where it's already working. And then you identify the principles and apply them. It's called modeling. And I've been looking at language learning and modeling language learning for about 15 to 20 years now. Okay, so he's talking about modeling, looking at people who've learned language effectively and just seeing what they do and then turning that into a model and then following that model. And he says he's been doing this for what, how long did he say? 15 years? So there's a bit more evidence based on people's actual genuine learning experiences and effective learning experiences too. Just going, uh, just connecting this to Luke's English podcast, every now and then I have guests on the podcast who are not um, native speakers of English, but people who are either learning English or have learnt English to a reasonably sort of functional standard. I'm talking about, for example, people who use English to do stand-up comedy or just people who um, have managed to become very fluent in English. And I often ask them how they managed to do it. So hopefully, um, in a sense, we're kind of modelling um, we're, we're, we're um, finding out a sort of effective model of language learning from those people too. So we've been doing a similar thing on Luke's English podcast, but Chris Lonsdale's been taking a sort of academic approach to it. Um, let's hear what he, what he has to say about learning from other people's examples or modelling. And my conclusion, my observation from this is that any adult can learn a second language to fluency inside six months. Now, when I say this, most people think I'm crazy. This is not possible. So let me remind everybody of the history of human progress. It's all about expanding our limits. 
1950, everybody believed that running one mile in four minutes was impossible. And then Roger Bannister did it in 1956, and from there it's got shorter and shorter. A hundred years ago, everybody believed that heavy stuff doesn't fly, except it does, and we all know this. How does heavy stuff fly? We reorganize the material using principles that we have learned from observing nature, birds in this case. And today, we've gone even further. We've gone even further. So you can fly a car. You can buy one of these for a couple of hundred thousand US dollars. We now have cars in the world that fly. And there's a different way to fly, which we learned from squirrels. So all you need to do is copy what a flying squirrel does, build a suit called a wingsuit, and off you go. You can fly like a squirrel. Now, most people, a lot of people, I wouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people think they can't draw. However, there are some key principles, five principles, that you can apply to learning to draw, and you can actually learn to draw in five days. So if you draw like this, you learn these principles for five days and apply them, and after five days, you can draw something like this. Now, I know this is true because that was my first drawing, and after five days of uh, applying these principles, that was what I was able to do. And I looked at this, and I went, wow. So that's how I look like when I'm concentrating so intensely that my brain is exploding. Okay, so he's on the, the drawing point there. He's showing us images. The first image is like a really bad drawing. And then after going through the, law, the learning process for drawing, the second image is clearly better. Okay? All right. So, anybody can learn to draw in five days. And in the same way, with the same logic, anybody can learn a second language in six months. How? There are five principles and seven actions. Right, this is where you need to be listening really carefully. He's going to talk about five principles and seven actions for how you can learn a second language in just six months. So this is where we're going to focus a bit carefully. Are you doing these, these things? Maybe this is going to confirm what you're already doing. Or maybe it's going to give you some new ideas of what you could be doing to speed up your learning process. Let's have a listen. There may be a few more, but these are absolutely core. And before I get into those, I just want to talk about two myths. I want to dispel two myths. The first is that you need talent. Let me tell you about Zoe. Zoe came from Australia, went to Holland, was trying to learn Dutch, struggling extremely, extremely, a great deal. And finally, you know, people were saying, you're completely useless, you, you, you're, you're, you're not talented, give up, you're a waste of time. And she was very, very depressed. And then she came across these five principles. She moved to Brazil and she applied them. And in six months, she was fluent in Portuguese. So talent doesn't matter. People also think that immersion in a new country is the way to learn a language. But look around Hong Kong. Look at all the Westerners who've been here for 10 years who don't speak a word of Chinese. Look at all the Chinese living in America, Britain, Australia, Canada, who've been there 10, 20 years, and they don't speak any English. Immersion, per se, does not work. Why? Because a drowning man cannot learn to swim. When you don't speak a language, you're like a baby. And if you drop yourself into a context which is all adults talking about stuff over your head, you won't learn. All right, that's interesting. So the two points he made there is that you don't need to have some special talent for learning English. All right. And he gave the example of a girl called Zoe, um, who apparently wasn't talented and she couldn't learn. And people said, oh, you're language proof. You can't learn a language. You don't have the talent for it. And then she went to Brazil 
and um, somehow uh, followed the five steps that he's going to talk about. And then she became fluent in six months, apparently. And also the idea that you don't have to be immersed in the country in which the language is used. And he gave a few examples of people who've lived in Hong Kong, but they can't speak Chinese and so on. So apparently you don't necessarily have to uh, go and live in the country where they speak it. So you don't necessarily go and need, you don't necessarily need to go and live in England to to be able to learn English, which may be quite encouraging for those of you who are not living in England, for example. So, what are the five principles that you need to pay attention to? First, the four words. Attention, meaning, relevance, and memory. And these inter- interconnect in very, very important ways, especially when you're talking about learning. Come with me on a journey through a forest. You go th- on a walk through a forest, and you see something like this. Little marks on a tree. Maybe you pay attention, maybe you don't. He's showing us a picture of a tree with some scratches on it, like the bark has been scratched away by something, so there's some markings on a, on a tree. We've gone with a journey with him into a forest, and the first picture is a tree with some scratches on it, and he says, you see this, maybe you pay attention to it, maybe you don't. You go another 50 metres and you see this. You should be paying attention. So here we have um, clearly a footprint next to some water in the mud and it's a bear's footprint. It's like a large footprint of a bear. He says, you see this, maybe you pay attention, maybe you don't. Another 50 metres, if you haven't been paying attention, you see this. And This is a huge grizzly bear, a very angry looking grizzly bear. At this point, you're paying attention. And you've just learned that this is important, it's relevant, because it means this, and anything that is related, any information related to your survival is stuff that you're going to pay attention to and therefore you're going to remember it. If it's related to your own personal goals, then you're going to pay attention to it. It's relevant, you're going to remember it. So the first rule, first principle for learning a language is focus on language content that is relevant to you, which brings us to tools. We master tools by using tools, and we learn tools the fastest when they're relevant to us. So let me share a story. A keyboard is a tool. Typing Chinese a certain way, there are methods for this, that's a tool. I had a colleague many years ago who went to night school, Tuesday night, Thursday night, two hours each time, practicing at home. She spent nine months, and she did not learn to type Chinese. And one night we had a crisis. We had 48 hours to deliver a training manual in Chinese, and she got the job. And I can guarantee you, in 48 hours, she learned to type Chinese because it was relevant, it was meaningful, it was important. She was using a tool to create value. So the second principle for learning a language is to use your language as a tool to communicate right from day one. Okay, let's just have a look at the first point that he made there, which is that you need to um, focus on language which is relevant to you. Focus on language which is relevant to you. Okay, because if you, if you realise that um, a challenge is specifically relevant to you, then you learn much more quickly. Okay, now in Luke's English podcast, I tend to f- talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, my main focus is on just kind of providing you with natural English that you can listen to, and I focus on all kinds of different topics. So I suppose in terms of trying to maximise your learning with each episode of the podcast, you could take the attitude that um, you that that any topic that I talk about is is worth listening to you. It's re- it, it's relevant for you because it's really a question of 
getting in touch with uh, vocabulary and language that you could use to talk about a variety of topics. So it's relevant for you because you need to be able to fully operate as an English speaker and that means picking up on specifically natural expressions. So you could think this episode is relevant to me because I want to be able to communicate in the same way, using the same level of language, in the same kind of pronunciation. So I suppose you could say that every episode of Luke's English Podcast is relevant to you because I'm speaking directly to you. And the whole purpose of this is to try and raise your level of English and simply um, remembering that it's all relevant to you personally can help to um, engage you more with it and therefore you tend to acquire more language from it as a result. He just said as well, his second principle is that you use your new language as a tool to communicate from day one. So you actually use, you use it as a tool to communicate. As a kid does. When I first arrived in China, I didn't speak a word of Chinese and on my second week, I got to take a train ride overnight. I spent eight hours sitting in the dining car talking to one of the guards on the train. He took an interest in me for some reason. And we just chatted all night in Chinese. And he was drawing pictures and making movements with his hands and facial expressions. And piece by piece by piece, I understood more and more. But what was really cool was two weeks later, when people were talking Chinese around me, I was understanding some of this. And I hadn't even made any effort to learn that. What had happened, I'd absorbed it that night on the train, which brings us to the third principle. When you first understand the message, then you will acquire the language unconsciously. Interesting. That's the language acquisition theory, isn't it? That just focusing on understanding the message means that you unconsciously acquire the language. So, um, yeah, focusing on understanding a communicative act means that you just start to acquire the ways in which communication is done in that language. So rather than studying the language from the bottom up, instead of studying the grammar first, understanding all of the apparent rules of the language, you just engage with the language and then you, you, you kind of unconsciously work out what makes it work and what, you know, what is possible and what's not possible. So that's quite a controversial theory because some people are kind of purists about grammar and they say that you should just focus on studying grammar because grammar tells you what's right and wrong. But really there are a number of different ways of learning grammar. And if you are sort of working out in your own way what makes language correct and incorrect, that is studying grammar. Just because you're not studying from a grammar book, studying the rules directly, you're still studying grammar by working out what is possible just through communication. So his third principle, when you first understand the message, you will unconsciously acquire the language. So in terms of listening to Luke's English podcast, what I always say to you is that you should just try and stay engaged and that you should try to just focus on exactly what I'm trying to say to you in episodes of the podcast. And by focusing on this message, by focusing on what I'm trying to say to you, then the language, the rules of grammar and so on are going into your head and you are unconsciously picking up um, the, the, the grammatical rules. And then when you come to do, for example, a grammar test, if you have to answer questions you know, that test your knowledge of grammar, you might find that you're able to answer those questions just by instinct. 
for example, you know that it's rely on. And how do you know that? Not because you've perhaps studied directly the expression rely on, but just because you've heard me say it or you've heard other people say it and it's just gone in in terms of frequency, you know that that's a commonly occurring uh, pattern of English. And so by instinct, you go, well, it's rely on. I don't know why. It just is. It just is the answer. So that's because your unconscious has learned that rely on is a pattern. Okay, so principle number three, when you first understand the message, you will unconsciously acquire the language. And this is really, really well documented now. It's something called comprehensible input. There's 20 or 30 years of research on this. Stephen Krashen, a leader in the field, has published all sorts of these different studies. And this is just from one of them. The, the purple bars show the scores on different tests for language. The green and the, the purple people were people who had learned by grammar and formal study. The green ones are the ones who learned by comprehensible input. So he's showing us um, a, a sort of bar chart here, um, sh comparing the grammar focus and language teaching approach to learning English, and then the comprehensible input approach, which you could say is a bit like the purple bar being um, like learning by formally studying grammar, and then the green bar being like learning by focusing on a message, by listening to Luke's English podcast, or by trying to communicate naturally with people. And we can see that the green bar is you know, significantly higher than the purple bar um, in terms of uh, different, um, different sort of, I think, English courses or different English tests. So comprehension works. Comprehension is key. And language learning is not about accumulating lots of knowledge. In many, many ways, it's about physiological training. A woman I know from Taiwan did great in English at school. She got A grades all the way through, went through college, A grades, went to the US and found she couldn't understand what people were saying. And people started asking her, are you deaf? And she was, English deaf. Because we have filters in our brain that filter in the sounds that we are familiar with and they filter out the sounds of languages that we're not. And if you can't hear it, you won't understand it. If you can't understand it, you're not going to learn it. So you actually have to be able to hear these sounds. And you, there are ways to do that, but it's physiological training. Speaking takes muscle. You've got 43 muscles in your face. You have to coordinate those in a way that you make sounds that other people will understand. If you've ever done a new sport for a couple of days and you know how your body feels, hurts, if your face is hurting, you're doing it right. Okay, so let's see. First of all, he said that uh, la learning a language is not about acquiring lots of knowledge or like formally learning uh, knowledge, but it's about learning how to do something. And I've said this before, that um, learning English is not about, it's not about what you know, it's about what you can do, right? So it's not about just getting knowledge into your head like as if you're studying sort of facts and, and facts and figures from history. 
Um, no, it's about learning how to actually do something. So he says it's like physiological training. It's like going to the gym. And he's right, okay? Because if you think about developing your body to be able to do certain sports, how do you do it? You don't read a textbook on how to, how to play badminton. You actually go and you play badminton again and again. Okay, um, you go to the gym, you raise your heart rates, you make your body work. So um, by engaging with Luke's English podcast, what you're doing is you're actually sort of going to the gym in a sense that you're keeping yourself warm, you're keeping it fresh, you're keeping the practice going, um, making sure that you're not getting rusty. Rusty is a word that people use a lot when they're talking about um, the fact that they haven't practiced their English for a long time, and as a result, they become slow and less fluent, and the words don't come more easily. Rusty is what um, uh, metal becomes rusty after it's been wet. Okay, so for example, a metal gate, if it's been raining on the metal gate for many years, the gate will go rusty. It goes orange and brown and a sort of stuff like uh, orange dust appears on the surface and the gate doesn't open very easily because it's rusty. The same thing happens with English. So it's not about uh, acquiring knowledge exactly, but more about learning how to do something. He then goes on to say that it's about muscles. And I completely agree with that, that for example, pronunciation or speaking um, is a physical thing. Not only do we use our body language when we do it, we also use our, all the muscles in our face to be able to produce the right sounds. And he says that when your face hurts, it means you're doing it right. Okay, So um, this just supports the idea that learning a language is about doing things. It's about actually being able to do things it's not about what you know it's about what you can do and with you know by listening to Luke's English podcast you're 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 not necessarily sort of like studying formally rules of the language so that you in your head then have all of the theory and therefore you're able to produce accurate English no you're just engaging with English um, and sort of sparring with English you know and by doing that, by engaging with a communicative process, even if it's just me talking to you and you um, sort of engaging with what I'm saying, that you're still sort of like going to the gym. It's a bit like sparring. You know what I mean by sparring? It's like if you're a boxer, you would fight in the gym. You punch the heavy bag. You might practice with another boxer in the gym. You're practicing responding to the person's moves, moving with your feet, um, uh, punching with your right and left hand, ducking, bobbing, and all of these things keep you active, keep you fit, and keep you engaged with, um, in this case, a physical exercise of boxing. In terms of learning English, you can practice by listening to English, um, dealing with bits that you don't understand, working on your own subconscious strategies for how to deal with uh, breakdown in communication, and just keeping, you know, keeping yourself warm, um, by you know actively engaging in some kind of communicative process um, okay and the final principle is state psychophysiological state if you're sad angry worried upset you're not gonna learn period if you're happy relaxed in an alpha brain state curious you're gonna learn really quickly and very specifically you need to be tolerant of ambiguity Right. So he's saying your, your state is very important. If you're stressed or unhappy or angry or something, you're not going to learn. But if you're comfortable, if you're engaged and you're enjoying it, then you're going to learn a lot more. And this relates, I think, to something in Luke's English podcast, which is that I always try and make episodes of the podcast 
somehow entertaining or at least engaging. It should be a pleasant experience listening to Luke's English podcast. There should be some enjoyment related to it. It's not just the cold study of English, but instead it's just like a friendly and enjoyable a uh, warm kind of atmosphere in which you can just, you know, stick the headphones on and enjoy listening to another episode of the podcast. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian. I don't necessarily aim to be funny in every single episode, but I think that somehow the the skill that I've developed as a stand-up comedian does come through in episodes of the podcast because I'm able to laugh at myself. You know, we might end up going down little... Uh, tangents where I try to make you laugh or something like that. Sometimes I'm sure I make you laugh. Sometimes I I probably just confuse you. And that brings us on to the next point, um, which uh, Chris Lonsdale makes, which is, this is a very important idea. You must learn to tolerate ambiguity. And by ambiguity, it means when things are not really clear. So for example, when you don't really understand exactly what's being said. Now, On Luke's English Podcast, sometimes I feature interviews with my friends. I might play you recordings, maybe bits of English comedy. And I'm sure that a lot of the time you don't understand everything. And I've said this time and time again, that you've got two options when you're listening to an episode that you don't understand. You've got two options. Option number one is to go, oh, I don't understand this. I give up. And option number two is to say, I don't really understand this, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to listen all the way to the end of the episode. Even if it means pausing in the middle to do something else, I'll come back to this. I will listen to the whole episode, even if I don't understand everything. Because you must learn to tolerate ambiguity. And let's hear what uh, Chris Lonsdale has to say about tolerating ambiguity or dealing with the fact that you don't understand absolutely everything. Okay? If you're one of those people who needs to understand 100% every word you're hearing, you will go nuts because you'll be incredibly upset all the time because you're not perfect. If you're comfortable with getting some, not getting some, just paying attention to what you do understand, you're going to be fine, you'll be relaxed and you'll be learning quickly. So based on those five principles, what are the seven actions that you take? Oh, this is going to be useful. Based on those five principles, here are some seven actions for rapid language acquisition. Wow. Let's hear what he has to say. Number one, listen a lot. Oh, hello. Listen a lot. That's number one. Well, I mean, it's not rocket science, is it? It just, that's very encouraging for me. And it should be for you too. But his number one um, piece of advice is that you should listen a lot. Well, I mean, here you are. You're already doing it. You're listening to Luke's English podcast. I call it brain soaking. You put yourself in a context where you're hearing tons and tons and tons of the language and it doesn't matter if you understand it or not. You put yourself in a situation where you're hearing tons and tons and tons of the language. It doesn't matter if you hear it or not. Welcome to Luke's English Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It sounds like that, doesn't it? And for those of you who think that episodes of the podcast should be shorter, well, let me refer you to what he just said. Listen to tons and tons and tons of English. Sometimes I think my episodes should be even longer than they are. You're listening to the rhythms. You're listening to patterns that repeat. You're listening to things that stand out. Ponards. So just soak your brain in this. The second action is you get the meaning first, even before you get the words. Get the meaning first before you get the words. All right. So sometimes on the podcast, I will just force you to listen to conversations. And I'm not breaking it down word by word. I'm not necessarily explaining every single word to you. 
but you should just be trying to focus on understanding what's being said and without having to have it all spoon fed to you one word at a time everything explained no you need to just try and focus on the message now he talks about body language obviously you can't do that with luke's english podcast but you can still kind of focus on other things like the way in which I react to my interviewees or my tone of voice. If you can't see my body language, you can kind of use other uh, signals to help you understand the message, like my general attitude, the tone of my voice, the intonation, my, if, if I'm sort of shouting or, or speaking quietly or whatever. And you go, well, how do I do that? I don't know the words. Well, you understand what these different postures mean. Human communication is body language in many, many ways. So much body language. From body language, you can understand a lot of communication. Therefore, your understanding, you're acquiring through comprehensible input. And you can also use patterns that you already know. If you're a Chinese speaker of Mandarin and Cantonese, and you go to Vietnam, you will understand 60% of what they say to you in daily conversation, because Vietnamese is about 30% Mandarin, 30% Cantonese. The third action, start mixing. You probably have never thought of this, but if you've got 10 verbs, 10 nouns, and 10 adjectives, you can say 1,000 different things. Right? Language is a creative process. What do babies do? Okay, me, but, now. Okay, that's how they communicate. So start mixing, get creative, have fun with it. It doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to work. Start mixing, get creative, it doesn't have to be perfect, it just has to work. So I, I, I really agree with that. Often, in my lessons, I get quite annoyed with students who are not willing to experiment with the language. And really, you know, it's not about getting everything perfect. If you're learning, it's just about messing around with the language. Just mess around with English. Take your lessons as, a, as a, a blank canvas where you can just play around with English. That means if your teacher gives you a task, the teacher just wants you to take language and run with it. Get creative. Use the words that you've got. Mix them up into different combinations. Use everything you know and push your language to its absolute uh, extreme. Force yourself to talk about things that normally you wouldn't talk about in your first language. Okay, um, role play. Take on the attitude of someone else. You don't have to be limited to your own attitudes and opinions. You could, just for fun, imagine that you've got a completely different opinion on a subject. So if your teacher um, launches a debate in the classroom, let's say it's a debate on smoking, and um, you could, for example, pretend that you think smoking is brilliant and that uh, everyone should be allowed to smoke. In fact, people should be encouraged to smoke as much as they can. And, you, you know, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. The point is that you're stepping outside of the box, stepping outside your comfort zone and realising that you can just get creative and play around with the language. The point is that by forcing yourself out of your own sort of limits, you end up using English in contexts and situations that you normally wouldn't use it in. You end up using words that you perhaps wouldn't have used otherwise, and it, it just broadens your horizons. Uh, so um, on one, in one way, you should use the limited uh, English that you've got and combine those words and use them for all sorts of other things, but also you should step outside the box and get creative. And you, when you're doing this, you focus on the core. What does that mean? 
Well, with every language, there's high-frequency content. In English, 1,000 words covers 85% of anything you're ever going to say in daily communication. 3,000 words gives you 98% of anything you're going to say in daily conversation. You've got 3,000 words, you're speaking the language. The rest is, is icing on the cake. And when you're just beginning with a new language, start with your toolbox. Week number one. In your new language, you say things like, how do you say that? I don't understand. Repeat that, please. What does that mean? All in your target language. You're using it as a tool, making it useful to you. It's relevant to learn other things about the language. By week two, you should be saying things like, me, this, you, that, give, you know, hot, simple pronouns, simple nouns. I think you've already got that. I imagine that if you're listening to Luke's English podcast, you're probably able to deal with simple pronouns and nouns. But anyway, it just gives you an idea of like, you know, from a very, very, um, from a very early point, if you're starting from scratch, uh, this bit of information is quite useful. Simple verbs, simple adjectives, communicating like a baby. And by the third or fourth week, you're getting into what I call glue words. Although, but, therefore, these are logical transformers that tie bits of a language together, allowing you to make more complex meaning. At that point, you're talking. And when you're doing that, you should get yourself a language parent. <clears throat> if you look at how children and parents interact, you understand what this means. When a child is speaking, it'll be using simple words, simple combinations, sometimes quite strange, sometimes very strange pronunciation. Other people from outside the family don't understand it. But the parents do. And so the kid has a safe environment, gets confidence. The parents talk to the children with body language and with simple language. They know the child understands. So you have a comprehensible input environment that's safe. We know it works, otherwise none of you would speak your mother tongue. So you get yourself a language parent who's somebody interested in you as a person who will communicate with you essentially as an equal, but pay attention to help you understand the message. Uh, hello. Um, you you want to get yourself a language parent, someone who will talk to you and talk to you directly and someone who understands you know, what you're going through and will try and help you a little bit here and there to try and help you understand the message. Hello. Um, hi, I'm Luke. Um, I'm Luke from Luke's English Podcast. Um, I think that's exactly what I do on Luke's English Podcast, don't you think? That sounds like exactly what I do in these episodes. So there you go. If you're looking for a language parent, I might, be so I might not be someone that you actually engage with directly, but at least I'm kind of communicating with you specifically as a language learner. And I'm here to kind of help you a little bit here and there to understand the message. I might explain a few things now and then, but ultimately I'm talking directly to you. So there's a sort of opportunity for language acquisition from me. There are four rules of a language parent. Spouses, by the way, are not very good at this, okay? But the four rules are, first of all, they will work hard to understand what you mean, even when you're way off beat. Secondly, they will never correct your mistakes. Thirdly, they will feed back their understanding of what you're saying so that you can respond appropriately and, and get, the, get that feedback. And then they will use words that you know. Okay, so these are the rules for a language parent. Now, you, you might be listening to this agreeing with some of it that it might be that you don't agree with all of it and i'd be quite interested to know which things that you for example disagree with so apparently i should or a language parent should work to understand what you are saying well i can't really do that 
uh, because you're not talking to me, although you send me com- comments and emails and things like that. Um, but I, at least through my experience of um, being an English language teacher for nearly 14 years, I do have a lot of experience of listening to non-native speakers who are learning the language and sort of struggling to say what they want to say. And I've developed a technique in my classrooms where I listen to a learner of English and I fairly quickly can decode what they're trying to say and then give them the tools, give them the specific language or the natural way in which we say it in English. So I suppose I do that in my lessons. But on the podcast, yes, uh, apparently um, a language parent doesn't correct mistakes. Um, Okay, there's several theories about uh, error correction. uh, But one of those theories is that you shouldn't necessarily jump on every single error that someone makes um, and that you should let people make a few mistakes, but then kind of give them language feedback at the end to just let them know that actually you don't say it like this, you say it like this. Um, confirms understanding by using correct language, okay, and uses the words that learn the learner knows. Well, you might disagree with that. In fact, I don't completely agree. Well, okay, when I'm talking to you on the podcast, sometimes I try and kind of grade my English a little bit if it's necessary, just to make sure that you understand what I'm saying. But then at other times, I will consciously start to speak in language that you might not understand. So to an extent, I sort of disagree with that. I think it can be good for a teacher uh, to actually use words that the learner doesn't know from time to time. But at the same time, maybe I'm able to grade my English a little bit. I try not to grade my language too much. But I do, I think, have a sense of what most of my listeners are able to understand and what they don't understand. I'm just saying that um, maybe I I conform with this sort of idea of a language parent, and maybe I don't. Um, Let's carry on. The sixth thing you have to do is copy the face. You've got to get the muscles working right so you can sound in a way that people will understand you. There's a couple of things you do. One is you, you need to hear how it feels and feel how it sounds, which means you have a feedback loop operating in your face. But ideally, if you can look at a native speaker and just observe how they use their face, let your unconscious mind absorb the rules, then you're going to be able to pick it up. And if you can't, get a native speaker to look at you can use stuff like this okay so he's saying that um you should be looking at videos and things of people speaking so that you can look at the mouth movements and start to pick up just like you know the 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 muscle movement and the position of the lips and so on um he also mentioned that you should like learn how it feels to say words and so one approach i suppose that you could use when you're listening to the podcast and i know that some of my listeners do this is to every now and then pause the podcast and actually repeat what i've said sometimes in episodes i actually give you opportunities to do that by reading phrases or sentences and asking you to repeat after me but you've got a pause button you could just pause after every little utterance and repeat it after me and then you know listen to it again and and play it again and repeat it again and that way you're actually not only letting the words go into your ears but you're sort of allowing them to come out as well you know how they sound and then you can try and copy the way i say them and that sort of hopefully will allow you to focus your muscles in your mouth on producing the sounds that you're actually hearing And that, as he said, creates a feedback loop where you're able to kind of, if you record yourself, you can get feedback on how you're saying things. You can listen to me doing it and then you can adjust your pronunciation and keep working until you start to uh, copy the way that I I say words and and phrases. He's now showing us a video of of someone pronouncing words that you could copy. 
And the final idea here, the final action you need to take is something that I call direct connect. What does this mean? Well, most people learning a second language sort of take the mother tongue words and the target words and go over them again and again in their mind to try and remember them. Really inefficient. What you need to do is realize that everything you know is an image inside your mind, it's feelings. If you talk about fire, you can smell the smoke, you can hear the, the crackling, you can see the flames. So what you do is you go into that imagery and all of that memory and you come out with another pathway. So I just call it one, same box, different path. You come out that pathway and you build it over time. You become more and more skilled and just connecting the new sounds to those images that you already have and to that internal representation. That's very interesting, and I think that backs up what I um, talked about in episode 167, if you've listened to that. Uh, if you haven't listened to episode 167, I really strongly suggest that you go back into the archives and listen to that one, because I think that's a really useful episode, and it's called Memory, Mnemonics, and Learning English. And basically, in that episode, I uh, told you that uh, a good way to remember words is to try and connect those words to very vivid images in your head and if you make connections like that it can really significantly help you to remember new words all right so here um, chris lonsdale's talking about connecting uh words that you have in your first language to mental images and connecting uh, the new word to that same mental image so it's 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 um our memories for some reason we we tend to remember visual things really more effectively than than other things so if you can create a very vivid visual memory in your head uh, and connect that to the new word that you're trying to remember that can make a big difference in in your ability to remember and recall uh, those words and over time you even become naturally good at that process that becomes unconscious so there are five principles that you need to work with seven actions if you do any of them you're going to improve. And remember, these are things under your control as the learner. Do them all. You're going to be fluent in a second language in six months. Thank you. Wow. A very convincing talk there by Chris Lonsdale. You can see that video. He's a very animated speaker. He's clearly very passionate about what he's talking about. You can see that video um, by going to teacherluke.co.uk and just find the episode uh, the page for this episode and I'll I'll have I will have embedded the the video on there and you can then watch it again at your leisure. Let's go into the comments section of this YouTube video and there are a number of comments there's actually 4039 comments. This video was was published on the 20th of November 2013. Um, by the way, there is a, a transcript available for this video, and you can, of course, go to teacherluke.co.uk and find the transcript there. Um, let's let's scroll down, and I found quite an interesting um, sort of uh, thre comments thread underneath this video. Now, um, all right, most people, I think, like the video. Let's see, we've got, uh, this video has received 33,604 thumbs up and 914 thumbs down. The video has been viewed 3 million times. Um, 33,604 33, thumbs up, 914 thumbs down. So, you know, clearly the majority of people agree or like the video, but some people don't. 
Now, I wonder what you think. You might be thinking, this is this is great. This confirms a lot of the things that I already knew. And I agree with him about, you know, his approach to learning language. Maybe there are other people out there thinking, well, he doesn't really cover everything. And, you know, I, I'm a little bit suspicious of him because maybe he's just sort of promoting his own training uh, programs or something. And this is slightly unconventional. And there, there may be others out there thinking, well, yes, but you can't learn a language unless you study the grammar and you study it in the traditional way, this is actually the best way to learn. I wonder what you think. Leave your comments under this episode. But now let's um, let's dip into this comment thread. And we're going to begin with a critical comment from someone called Sorin86YT. Sorin86YT. And Sorin86YT weighs into the debate by saying this, incredible stupid ideas. All right. Well, first, firstly, it should be incredibly stupid, not incredible stupid. Incredible stupid ideas, which should be incredibly stupid ideas. An incredible collection of sophisms. A stupid guy who has no idea about language learning. And it's supported by studies. Of course, you can speak Chinese in 10 days, but that will be hello and thank you. This video is a mockery. This moron cannot even understand the role of grammar. Grammar is not some torture that you sadistically apply to students. Grammar is the shortest cut to make students understand how that language works. This moron doesn't even know that there are lots of people who can't even speak their mother tongue properly. But everybody will learn a foreign language in six months. Will they go to their jobs in the meantime, take care of their family matters, sleep, follow his advice, and you'll... Yeah, follow his advice and you'll speak that language the way lowly educated immigrants do. And that comment has received 159 thumbs up. Now, my natural response to Sorin86YT's comment is, well, maybe he's got a point in the middle of it, but is it really necessary to be so rude? First of all, saying incredibly stupid ideas. I mean, it's just so, it's just so kind of disrespectful and rude. It's not necessarily to be so insulting. So that immediately makes me a bit suspicious of this person. Why is it necessary to insult the guy? Surely if you've got a point, just give us your point. You don't need to throw in all of these value judgments and insults, calling him a moron. And, um, you know, even referring to lowly educated immigrants. I mean, is it necessary to start throwing references to immigrants and 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 stuff like that. Hmm. Let's see what some of the replies are to Sorin86YT, who might actually have a point in the middle of his insult-laden comment. Marcus T. Anthony replies by saying, have you considered the possibility that you don't understand the subject matter? What would happen if, instead of opposing ideas which contradict yours, you tried embracing them? Okay. Uh, Raduen Rabe replied to Sorin86YT by saying, I don't know how or where you get the nerve to be able to say something like incredible stupid ideas and a stupid guy who has no idea about language learning, when everything you say after that proves that you actually know nothing about language learning. How many languages did you have to learn other than English? If it takes you 10 days to learn hello and thank you in Chinese, or any other language for that matter, that's called a learning disability. You might want to have that checked. I learned to speak English a while back in less than six months, but English is not the best example because it's such a practical language. 
if you use 30% fewer words in general to say something in English, then you would say... All right. You use 30% fewer words in general to say something in English than you would if you say it in French. I honestly think it is one of, if not the easiest, language to pick up. I love it. Here's another genius statement referring to the previous comment. Grammar is the shortest cut to make students understand that language works. I was perfectly fluent in French before I knew anything about French grammar. And in fact, for French, that would be the longest cut. French is a very impractical language with ridiculous grammar rules. This man in the video talks a lot of sense. If you really apply everything he says, it would take the average person less than six months to speak any language pretty well. I've done it myself twice and seen it done countless times with friends I grew up with. Does this mean we should all start fires at our local libraries and ban language classes? No, of course not. But are you really going to be perfect in that language in six months? No. But it will be much easier for you to learn grammar after if you really want to. Sorin86YT replies to Marcus T. Antony, if you remember, who said um, um, what would happen if you embraced these ideas instead of opposing them. And he says, actually, no, I haven't. What? Haven't what? Oh, yeah. Have you considered the possibility that you don't understand the subject matter? And he says, no, I haven't. I have over 20 years of experience in language tutoring. I tried some of the new stupid fast food methods and they, are, and they are what they are, deceptions. All these fast food ways have appeared for commercial reasons. They fool potential clients that learning can be miraculously shortened and also that any moron can learn a foreign language. This way, language teaching businesses attract more clients willing to take shortcuts. There are also a lot of morons excited by revolutionary ideas like teenagers and really believe that the man who will live 300 years is already born. What? Okay, so he's saying that all of these ideas that you can learn a language in six months are just um, deceptions and they are per- perpetuated by language schools that want to try and sell courses to learners who are willing to believe that um, miracles are possible, basically. But why does he have to keep ev- calling everyone a moron? Is it necessary to be so insulting all the time? I don't really get it. But maybe he's got a point. You know, if you look past the insults, maybe he has he has got a point that there are no such things as shortcuts in language learning. But I think that no one is saying that um, I don't think I, I actually don't think the six month approach is a shortcut. I think it might be questionable whether you can really learn a language to a very high standard in just six months. Also, it depends on where you start, doesn't it? I mean, do you start from the intermediate level to a proficient level, or are we starting from the absolute beginner level to the proficient level? To be honest, that's not clearly explained in the video. Um, But I think that if you follow, like, regardless of the whole six months thing, I think the principles and the actions that uh, Chris Lonsdale mentions are good and valuable things and they are effective um but uh, sorry in 86yt is pr- probably pushing the idea that you do need to do uh formalized grammar study as well now i think on episodes of the podcast before like for example uh, i did an episode called how to learn english with luke's english podcast i think i said in that episode that um you should use luke's english podcast as part of a balanced diet meaning that you should you know, listen to it and apply the things that Chris Lonsdale said. 
but also that you should do a little bit of formal grammar studying too if you can stand it and if you do both then that's like the ultimate way of uh, improving your english um let's have another comment in response to sorry in 86 yt this is jamie benito de valle ruiz and he says for your information chris is almost native like in mandarin i've heard him so i'm sure he knows a thing or two about learning a difficult foreign language well regardless of what he's trying to sell us how about you i guess you must have mastered dozens of language to make your claims about how stupid these methods are right what he is saying overlaps a lot with the advice i've heard from other polyglots so i don't think it is as silly as you think unless you are the indisputable king of languages that is by the way while i first had a placement in a language school i saw a few students becoming reasonably fluent in other languages within four months to my surprise and a lot of them within six months and i don't mean saying hello and goodbye but maintaining a fluent conversation for hours on topics as complex as politics or sociology or discussing their cultural or banking problems as well as being able to read a newspaper without effort and comfortably watching movies without subtitles granted some occasional mistakes here and there some times but good enough to function efficiently in a professional working environment where they also say hello and goodbye too one last thing almost no native speaker in any language has any conscious knowledge of their own grammar grammar is great for understanding how a language works if that is what you want but it won't even guarantee that you'll able you'll be able to speak or even understand the language grammar is to languages a bit like a book of human psychology or physiology is Sorry, grammar is to languages a bit like a book of human physiology is to playing a sport. And I know because I'm a grammar freak. So the idea there is that uh, not many native speakers even know their own grammar. They don't have conscious knowledge of it. You can see that in an episode of the podcast I did a while back called um, Discussing Grammar with My Brother. Which episode is that? That's from back in the olden days. Um, let's see. Discussing grammar with my brother is episode number 53. And in that, in that one, I tested my brother's grammatical knowledge. And to be honest, he wasn't very good. And it just sort of proves to us that, that native speakers of English don't really know grammar very well. Um, and in fact, most people learn to speak English as a first language, not by studying the grammar, but just by engaging with the language in a real sense. Um, Okay, Paul Coffey replies to Sorin86YT like this. Given your 20-plus years of tutoring experience, I'm curious to hear what alternative methods you would propose. Like many of the people who have left comments here, my lived experience of getting to fluency in two new languages, Mandarin Chinese and Cantonese Chinese, matches very closely the methods that Chris is talking about. For example, he talked about acquiring the language based on prior understanding, i.e. the comprehensible input approach. Based on my experience in China, I, find, I found that watching movies in their original English and then repeatedly watching them with the Chinese audio dubbing was very useful to me. Watching them in English allowed me to first understand the story and then re-watching them in Chinese enabled me to take advantage of the comprehensible input environment. Having said that, I've only got my own personal experience to go by. Clearly, your own personal experience is somewhat at odds with what Chris is saying. Could you share a little more about what has worked for you? Um, and um, another 
reply to Sorin 86YT is that uh, Truth Seeker 1961 says people like Sorin 86YT who have been deeply entrenched in their respective fields always have knee-jerk reactions to new ideas and new methods because their way is the only way and they don't want to hear anything about it outside of their norm. And the six people who liked his comment are staunch defenders of the status quo, no matter what advances are introduced now or any time in the future. And then I think this is the last thing I'm going to read out. This is Sorin86YT's response to all of this stuff. And he says, he or she says, I kind of knew I was going to stir up such comments from delusional people. However, YouTube comments is not the right place for scientific debates. Almost each minute of this video, meaning almost every minute of this video, contains something stupid. All right. We can only try to point out some of the cheats. The most obvious one is the arbitrary duration. Six months. Why six months and not six months and one week? Or five months and two weeks? What exactly does that person do during those six months? Only travelling by train in that country? Do they sleep? Do they have a job? Do they see their... Do they see their family? Are they healthy? Okay, so the point is, he's raising questions about the six-month thing. But I think it is an arbitrary six months. I mean, you know, why would he call his presentation uh, How to Learn a Language in Five Months and Three Weeks? That would be a stupid uh, title for a presentation. Of course, we understand that it, it could be, you know, six months, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. But he had to give a name to the presentation. Um and no, but it's quite a good point about Chris Lonsdale doesn't really mention the number of hours per day or the number of hours per week that the person is expected to be working on their English. Um, so he doesn't really give us the fine details, but maybe Ted said to him, look, you've only got 15 minutes, so you've got to try and keep it brief. Maybe if Chris Lonsdale was given the opportunity to go into more detail about a full learning plan an hour-by-hour hour learning plan, he'd be able to explain it more. But anyway, it's a fair point that uh, Sorin86YT is making. Um, we, we want to know exactly what the person does during that six-month period. Sorin86YT continues by saying, any competent language teacher will tell you that six months is meaningless. The learning process is estimated by professionals in hours. Take my intermediate level English course. The average student, and by average, average is actually another approximation that kills the idea of a fixed time. Any average student will need about 80 hours of instruction with the teacher and then about, the, about double in individual study, homework, practice, listening, etc. A rough total of 240 hours. What is that in calendar time? Nobody can foresee. If the student happens to have lots of time to dedicate to the foreign language, let's say six hours a day, we calculate 40 days, which happens to be, about, which happens to be about five times faster than the moron in the video claims. Not mentioning that 240 hours mathematically equals 10 full days. However, this doesn't happen in real time. That average student has a job, a family, a hobby, a disease maybe. He has to sleep, to eat, to drive. Eventually, it comes down to about six hours a week, two in class and four outside, which suggests 40 weeks, a little more than nine months. Not bad, huh? 
nine months. However, that too rarely happens in real life. In a nine month in nine months' time, both the student and the teacher will have holidays or business travels or sick leave. It may go up to one year and beyond. But the orientation line is always the number of hours, not months. The next level of deception in this video is about the student. Who is that student? Whoever has ever taught anything knows students are of various speeds. Because of talent, of course, talent matters hugely, morons. Previous knowledge, motivation, practice, environment, how serious the student is about learning. What is six months for a student? For, what is six months for one student might be three months for another one, or 12 months for another one, or even never. This video looks just like a stupid teleshopping presentation where they want to make us believe that the kitchen knife is the most spectacular invention of mankind. Okay, as I've said before, there are maybe some good points in there, even if they are delivered in a slightly insulting manner. Um, okay, maybe six months is a little bit of an arbitrary time length, and it maybe depends on each individual student. But I suppose what Chris Lonsdale is suggesting is that if you have the time to devote to it, then anyone, regardless of your level of talent, can speed up the learning process by using the, the methods um, actions and advice that he talked about in his presentation. Now, I'm not saying that Chris Lonsdale's solutions are like the perfect answer to learning language, but I do think that there is a lot of wisdom in there, and I do think it's based on a lot of common sense. Sorin86YT just seems to be a bit mean. He just seems to be a bit nasty, and he might have some points, but is it necessary to be so insulting? I don't think I would like to be in Sorin 86YT's English classes. I get the impression he would be rather a mean and nasty teacher who focuses on grammar. And um, yes, grammar isn't always a horrible subject to study. In fact, it can be fascinating. I say that as an English teacher myself. I think grammar can be very interesting. Um, but I get the impression that Sorin 86YT is... Oh, can you imagine one of his lessons? Do you think that it would be a warm uh, environment, a friendly, fun environment in which you'd feel comfortable experimenting with English and fooling around and making a few mistakes but learning from them in a comfortable, safe situation? I don't think so. I think it would be like some kind of, um, I don't know, it would feel like a grammar sweatshop or something like that. Now, what are your conclusions? What do you think? You're You're all language learners. Many of you have learnt language to a very high level. Um, what do you think? I'm very interested in hearing about your stories and the ways in which you've learnt English. What do you think? Formal studying of grammar or um, the approach that Chris Lonsdale talks about? What do you think is the best way to learn English? Do you have an opinion? Leave your comments under this episode at teacherluke.co.uk. I'd be very interested in reading them. And uh, I'm sure that my listeners also would be very interested in having a look at those things. Share your knowledge, ladies and gents, and then maybe you can all learn from each other. I think that would be a very beautiful thing indeed. That's the end of this episode. I do hope that it's been useful. I'm sure that it has. I think this has been one of those really good, useful, um, focused episodes on the learning process. Thanks again for listening. Speak to you very, 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 very soon. But for now, it's goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.